The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck. Like a rugged half-ton Tundra, workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? I had no idea. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Welcome, everybody. Today, we talk about value-based drafting. How do you do it? What is it? Why is it cool? Why do the cool kids do it? Why can it help you win your fantasy league? Why don't I do it? Maybe I should. Uh, But Heath is going to help us out with that. And RJ White is going to come on as well, part of our CBS Sports staff, to tell you about value-based drafting. Plus, I'll look at some NFL futures if you want to dabble there. I'm Adam Azer. Good morning to Dave and Heath. Uh, Yeah, that's it. Good morning, guys. Hi. Hi. What's up, foo? Hi. Sup, foo, to you. And hi, Heath. How's it going? Hi. All right, great. So, we had some big news from around the NFL yesterday. We're going to react to the Tim Patrick torn ACL. Bummer. And also, Sean McVay says the Rams, the way he looks at it, they have two starting running backs. Bummer. Mm, Maybe. Depends on which one you get on draft day. I know. I think we're going to have some differing opinions here. Uh, And we will, I don't know that we'll have time for your emails, but you can send them in at fantasyfootball.cbsi.com. So later this week, we'll have our quarterback preview on Thursday, our tight ends preview on Friday, and then pretty sure, 90% sure, we're going to have a mailbag episode for you airing on Saturday that we're going to record on Friday. Don't worry, Dave and Heath, I'm going to try to get Dan Schneier for that. You're going to be off the hook. Uh, Anyway, let's, uh, let's get to the big news here. Tim Patrick tore his ACL, and he is out for the season. He had two straight, nearly identical seasons with 51 to 53 catches, 734 to 742 yards, five to six touchdowns, 79 to 85 targets. So that's what he's been, about 740 yards, five touchdowns, basically, each of the last two years. And he has also led the team in green zone targets two straight seasons. That's inside the 10-yard line. And he's been right there with Noah Fant in red zone targets. He is a big outside receiver, and a good player. And this stinks for him. Uh, Dave, what's your reaction to this from the Broncos' perspective? Whose fantasy value changes the most? I was told during the offseason by uh, an observer of the Broncos, who I've known a long time and trust when it comes to Broncos stuff, that Patrick was a dark horse to lead this team in receiving. Uh, Loved the skill set, loved the fit with Russell Wilson, the fact that he was a perimeter receiver who could separate, which is something that Cortland Sutton doesn't necessarily do with the same type of ease that Tim Patrick did in the past. Um, It made me really excited to get Tim Patrick on my squad. And now it's not happening. It stinks. Here's, here's what I think is going to happen. I think the the Broncos are going to end up piecemealing how they replace Tim Patrick amongst their complimentary players. It'll be led by KJ Hamler. I suspect we'll see more two tight end sets. Wouldn't be surprised if we see a little bit more of Javante and Melvin Gordon or Javante and another running back on the field at the same time. 
But I do think what it does for fantasy managers is it builds confidence in both Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. Sutton was being drafted as a round four wide receiver. We, we've all pretty much landed on him being our favorite Broncos wideout because he's an outside receiver. He is a downfield threat, and although he doesn't have the speed that Tim Patrick has, he can make contested catches. He's got a big catch radius. He's a big guy, kind of like DK Metcalf, so it would make sense that he could fill that role for Russell Wilson. I also think it's huge for Jerry Judy. Uh, the spotlight's going to be on him in a bigger way now, but now we can. Now there's a path to him getting around 120 targets in this offense, especially if they throw as much as we think they're going to throw it. Uh, I, I, I read a report from Andrew Mason, of uh, who's, who's been a Broncos beat reporter, that Judy had one bad day in camp. It was the first day, and since then he's really stepped up and been better. He's separating from coverage. He's got some good speed. We know he's a terrific route runner. He's going to be a much more stable pick in fantasy drafts, and I think you're going to end up seeing him go round six at the latest, maybe even into round five, because I think those targets that were going to go to Tim Patrick, I think like 60% of them are going to get split to those other guys that I mentioned that when I first started yapping my gums, but I think the majority of them will fall into Jerry Judy's lap. So I think it's really good for Judy's value. I think it's fine for Sutton. And Hamler's going to be the one that people are going to take late round flyers on. Heath, yesterday we did a draft shortly after the Patrick news, and I'm not going to say what rounds these guys went in because it was a super flex draft. But Judy or Sutton was wide receiver 19. He was right around Terry McLaurin and Deontay Johnson. Then it was Brandon Cooks, who you took. I took Sutton, you took Cooks. I know you love Cooks. Um, then it was Godwin, Mike Williams, Darnell Mooney, Allen Robinson. So Sutton going ahead of, I won't say Cooks, I, I know you like Cooks better, but Sutton going ahead of Godwin, Mike Williams, Darnell Mooney, Allen Robinson. What are your thoughts on that? I would take him ahead of Darnell Mooney and Allen Robinson. I get the feeling that um, my stance on the Broncos receivers is probably going to remain the same, that I'm not going to get them. Um, I agree with pretty much everything Dave said, but I was a little behind everybody on them before this news. I bumped Sutton up into round four, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's a round three pick now. <laughs> the end of round four is where I've got him. So... Uh, yeah, wide receiver 22, I would definitely take Cooks or Williams, um, but he's he's in that range. He's a low-end number two, and Judy's a high-end number three, and I'm, I'm pretty, I think Hamler might take a little more of the Patrick role if he can stay healthy. I don't know. I mean, why why wouldn't you want these Broncos guys? You're, you're saying you're going to be low on them, so you're not going to end up with them, but why not? I mean, get in on this here. This is Russell Wilson, and these are his... Clear-cut top two receivers, you know, at least it looks that way. And Sutton's, I mean, oh, come on. I'm sorry. I I don't have, I'm stammering a little bit because I. it's not so much a statistical argument. I'm not going to say, well, in this, he did this, this. It's just just the opportunity. It's like, come on, let's do it. Let's get in there. I'm less certain that that Sutton and Judy are as or close to DK and Lockett as you are, I think. I, I'm not asking them necessarily to be DK and Lockett. Like Metcalf was around two pick last year. Uh, Lockett outperforms his ADP every year, basically. But no, I, I think I think they could put up. I don't know about the yards for Sutton compared to Metcalf. I think Judy could be Lockett. Uh, I don't. I mean, yeah, I think I think they. I think they're great. I think they're going to be great. I do. I'm. I'm very I'm, optimistic. Yeah, I'm, and and that's. I think that's where the difference is. It's just like. They've got both of those wide receivers have a lot of upside and both of those wide receivers have a lot to prove. And yeah. you're talking about taking them over guys who I have projected as surefire top 15 wide receivers. And so, so are you downgrading Wilson? Um, Maybe just a slight thing. That's the weirdest thing about all this. Like Dave was talking about all the ways that things are going to change now. And it's, I think it's good to remember that all those things that are going to change were just ideas in our head in the first place. Right, right. It's a new coach, a new Fair. quarterback. We have no idea what their game plan actually was, and we don't necessarily know what it is. So like, we're projecting changes based off our original projections. I do think that Javante and Melvin might be more involved in the passing game than what we were originally projecting or maybe what they were going to be before Patrick. I mean, mm-hmm. it, 
we've seen how heavily the running backs have been involved in the Green Bay passing game. I, I'm sorry, I want to go back to Judy here just to put him in some context. He was wide receiver 28 in the draft we did last night. This was Perfect. after the Patrick ACL injury. He went after Marquise Brown. He went after Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, in fact, the, there were three wide receivers taken to start round eight, and it was Juju, Jerry Judy, Gabriel Davis. Dave, you took Davis when Juju and Judy were off the board. And what? And then Bateman was the next wide receiver drafted, then Thielen, then Lazard. What do you think about Judy in that range of Juju, Judy, Gabriel Davis, Bateman, Thielen, Lazard. That's the range. Although I would imagine that the the breakout hype that we're all hearing for Davis and Bateman could push both of them ahead of Judy uh, pretty consistently in drafts. But Judy's going to start getting some breakout hype again, too. The problem is that we've seen Judy get that hype. I've been guilty of it. I, I loved Jerry Judy last year, and then he had a high ankle sprain in week one. He missed six games. And then he really wasn't very good the rest of the way. Speaking of those six games that Judy missed, do you remember how Cortland Sutton performed when there was one man missing in this Broncos offense? He was great. He was on pace for 105 catches, 1,488 yards, six touchdowns on 156 targets. So those yardage numbers seem really surprising to me. All I know is he averaged almost 17 PPR points per game. And that's the stuff that can make you a number one wide receiver. And we know that he's without one of those big receivers for the remainder of the 2022 calendar. Yeah. So I, I what I was going to suggest Heath do is, you know, start doing side by side comparisons of Sutton versus Terry McLaurin, um, Sutton versus Godwin. Who's got that upside now? And I well, wonder if Sutton Godwin. can pull ahead. Well, I if mean, Godwin's if Godwin is right, there's no question especially in PPR. But yeah. we don't know if Godwin's right. And we don't know when he's actually going to be back and ready to go. The, there's optimistic reports. But I, I think I think Adam might be onto something about being excited about Sutton. I think there is such a thing as being too excited about Cortland Sutton, but he might be one of those fallback receivers that isn't quite a top 15 guy, but could be, and you can kind of see a path to it happening. And then you won't mind drafting him if you wait a little bit on receivers with your early picks, and he kind of falls into your lap in late round three, early round four. I'm going to end this discussion here. RJ is waiting to come on and talk about value-based drafting. We have a lot to get to today. So let me just uh, summarize. Uh, let me just get quick quick thoughts on this. Are you drafting Alberto now? Is he a priority for you? Not me. He's going to have to win the starting job first. Okay. Uh, I think that's basically it. I, Will, Wilson or Dak Prescott? Dak. Still Russ, but it's closer now than it was before. It was always Dak for me. So, Okay. Uh, I will say just yeah. because I've been even more low on Judy than I have been on Sutton, what you told me about the guys Judy was drafted around and the guys Sutton was drafted around, I may actually draft Judy now. Okay. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. That was only one draft, but based on that ADP... Uh, all right, Sean McVay says it looks as if the Rams have two starting running backs. Heath, what did you make of of those comments? I made a slight adjustment, but not much. It's just so difficult when coaches say things that go against what they've done for most of their coaching career. Um, even last year when they lost their starting running back at the beginning of the year, they had 14 different games where their starting running back had at least 16 touches. Like, that doesn't sound like a coach. And we remember before that, it was even more workhorse-focused. Well, so, not 2020, though. Okay, so there was one year yeah. that Sean McVay's been a coach where there was a bit of a committee. And that was the only year where Akers and Henderson were both healthy. That's, well... And Akers I mean, was not... Well, relatively, Akers, Akers got hurt. Hurt. Akers wasn't really that healthy. Thing. Yeah, Akers the wasn't really odds healthy. Good. The odds of Akers and Henderson both being healthy for 17 games are pretty low anyway, so this probably yeah. won't end up mattering. Yeah, and Akers really fell in this draft. Akers, he was a round seven pick, but again, this was this was a super flex. Right, but so RJ throw him, actually throw him took up two him. rounds, and it was a it was a great. I mean, to me, it was like a crazy value based on where we had seen him go. So he went after Travis Etienne. He went after J.K. Dobbins. There were a lot of wide receivers drafted in this range. He went after Zeke. He went after Brees Hall. And, and he went almost two full rounds after those two guys. Uh, and then the next running back was A.J. Dillon. So you're not, oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Josh Jacobs and then A.J. Dillon. 
So we're used to seeing him going, at least in our drafts earlier, because we, you know, Dave was the low guy, but I think there was a lot of enthusiasm for Acres on this show, and uh, it was not evident last night when we did that draft. And then Dave, you took Daryl Henderson late, so I can't give you a range, I can't give you an ADP, but because it's, you know the news was yesterday, but you know who are you more likely to draft right now, guys? Acres at, at what you think his his value will be, or Henderson at what you think his value will be? For me, it's Henderson, and there's there's no question about it. First, a general statement about coaches uh, and how they feel about their running backs in this era of NFL football. I believe that most coaches, if not all coaches, are only going to go to a workhorse guy if they've got a guy they believe can be that workhorse. You heard Mike Tomlin talk about it during the offseason podcast on The Pivot. Um, about how Najee is a workhorse guy. When these coaches believe that they can feed a running back and they can lean on a running back, they're going to do it. When they get to a point where a running back either starts to break down or isn't effective, isn't efficient, isn't explosive, I think they change their minds and they revert back to, well, let's just use multiple running backs, especially because Teams that have led the NFL in rushing have used multiple running backs. In some cases, they even use their quarterback along with their running backs to help lead the team in rushing. And it is an absolute tenet of coaching that running the ball is a key to success. Even now, in, in, when, when teams are throwing the ball like crazy, every coach will tell you that they need to be able to run the ball and stop the run. Running the ball however they can do it, they want to do it. It's smart for the Rams to not lean on Cam Akers and to use him and Daryl Henderson and to lean on Henderson in a role that he can handle, which is as a passing downs guy. As for McVay, over the last week, every time someone's tried to tee him up on Cam Akers, he ends up mentioning Akers and Henderson together. He's It's, it's almost like subconsciously, or maybe it is conscious, he's naming them both together. Um, and even, and I mentioned this on the live stream, he was asked a question on SiriusXM Radio about improving the efficiency of the run game, and he ended the answer. First, he barely mentioned Akers in his answer. And at the end of the answer, he said, we really need to improve our efficiency in the pass game. And I just feel like it's in his mind that he's got to, you know, he won the Super Bowl because of Matthew Stafford, because of Cooper Cup, and they just got Allen Robinson, and Robinson's exciting. It wouldn't surprise me in the least if the Rams went 60% pass again this year and that they utilize multiple running backs. I'm out on Cam Akers unless we're talking – Round six, round seven, he's never going to make it there for me. Someone will always take him ahead of that range. And I'm in on Daryl Henderson as a guy I throw on my bench to begin the year, and I see what happens, and I can get him in round nine, 10, 11. Okay. I'm absolutely in on that. Okay, so question for both of you. We'll end it here. Would you take any of these guys who were going behind Acres, at least in our drafts, uh, ahead of Acres now? They also have workload concerns. I'm going to say so, yes to all these. I guys. don't know about that. Antonio Gibson, Josh Jacobs, AJ Dillon. Yep, all three. No chance on Dillon. I don't understand that. All right, I would love to get into that. We will do that later. But Heath, you would also take a later date. You would also take Antonio Gibson and Josh Jacobs ahead of Cam Akers. Well, Jacobs is another guy who has fallen for me since the start of camp. I mean, we talk about a, a team where reports are coming out that they just don't really like him very much. Um, yeah. I. I would take Acres over Jacobs. Okay. All right. You should be, if you're listening right now and you haven't watched us on YouTube, please do. YouTube.com slash fantasy football today. You can see all of our podcasts there. You can also see our YouTube exclusive content, live streams on Tuesday nights with mock drafts. Um, the Draftathon will be on YouTube. We're excited for that. We'll tell you more about that as we get closer to that date to benefit St. Jude. And we've got three YouTube exclusive shows every week during the season. Tuesday night, waiver wire, Thursday afternoon, starter sit, Sunday morning, starter sit, youtube.com slash fantasy football today. Dave, um, I had dinner with Heath last night. Did you know that? What? Yeah. Yeah, sure. You're in town? Uh, no, I was making dinner last night and I decided to turn on CBS Sports HQ and uh, there was Heath talking about Tim Patrick and uh, all the Broncos. Yeah. Okay. So it wasn't actually. No, but it was you Heath. You were like sitting down with Heath. Because Heath is a great guy to like have deep conversations with. No, he was having a deep conversation while I was yeah, cooking dinner. He was yeah. talking at you, not to you. Uh, which that's yeah, usually how it is. But uh, no, I, I also I told you all how to watch CBS Sports HQ on the CBS Sports app. Another way you can do it is on Paramount Plus. That's what I was doing last night. Paramount Plus is a freaking awesome subscription service. You should check it out. And HQ is on there, so you can see always see that. 
Now I want to talk to you about something a little bit more important. It is Grammarly, a great way to become a better writer and better at communicating. It's great for work. It's great for school. If you're in school, presentations, whatever it is, go to Grammarly.com slash FFT to sign up for a free account. And when you're ready to upgrade to Grammarly Premium, get 20% off for being an FFT listener, Grammarly.com slash FFT. So uh, Grammarly makes professional writing fast and simple. It's an all-in-one writing tool that helps you churn out clear, concise communication quicker than ever. I'm about to write a couple of, I don't know if they're articles, but recaps for our pick-by-pick series. And I have to write about the two teams that I drafted. And I'm going to use Grammarly, Grammarly Premium specifically, for this. So I'll write it up. I'll upload it right into Grammarly. Grammarly is going to give me some suggestions, how to make it sound better, how to make uh, the vocabulary better, the grammar better, any spelling mistakes, obviously, those types of things. But really, it's about the clear, concise messaging and communicating uh, better and more succinctly. So it's going to be very helpful. I use Grammarly when I write, which isn't that often, but that's, that's why I need Grammarly. And you should use it as well. You can even use Grammarly's free tone detector to make sure you're making the right impression. Get to the point faster and accomplish more with Grammarly. Go to Grammarly.com slash FFT to sign up for a free account. And when you're ready to upgrade to Grammarly Premium, get 20% off for being our listener. That is 20% off at Grammarly, G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash FFT. I did have more news to get to, and RJ, I know you can hear me, so I apologize for the delay, but we will go fast here. Uh, two players who are camp standouts right now. Uh, that would be Kyle Pitts and Elijah Moore, a couple second-year players. Michael Rothstein of ESPN said, the Falcons have a lot of questions this year, but Pitts is not one of them. Through a week, he's been the most dominant player Atlanta has. It might not be close. Uh, and then The Athletic uh, said this about Elijah Moore. He has firmly established himself as the number one wide receiver. He seems to make at least one big play every practice. He's in line for a big year. Heath, are you feeling any any juice for Elijah Moore or Kyle Pitts to move them up or to make them more of a priority? Yeah, I made a, a little adjustment to the target share between Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson. I just kind of assumed the number 10 pick would be the best wide receiver. And so I, I've got them, uh, I think I have more slight, like 1% higher target share and moved him up to the round six-ish range. Um, have not moved Pitts yet, but not surprised that he's their best player. Okay. Bar's pretty low. Okay, yeah, you're, you're the low guy on Pitts. Um, all right, uh, Miami's going to lose a 2023 first-round pick and a 2024 third-round pick, plus their owner, Stephen Ross, has been fined and suspended. Their vice chairman has been fined. So they tampered. They tried to get Tom Brady and Sean Payton when they were under contract. That's a no-no. <laughs> The craziest thing of all that, though, has to be that, like in the report, they confirm that Stephen Ross did make reference to $100,000 per loss during the tanking season, but he was just joking. So he's not going to be penalized for that. <laughs> like, when is I was just joking an okay defense? I don't know, but I'm definitely going to start using that. 100%. Uh, Jerry Jones indicated that Dallas will not be looking for a veteran wide receiver as of now. He said, let's see what the young guys can do. Buffalo's got some injuries in the secondary, but they do have time to heal. Safety Jordan Poyer, hyperextended elbow, cornerback Tredavious White still on the pup list. He tore his ACL last year, and safety Micah Hyde is dealing with a hip injury. Hopefully all of them ready for week one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave, what do you make of Minnesota tight end Irv Smith having thumb surgery still could be ready for week one? Is this a needle mover at all? No, I mean, I'm not in on Irv Smith as, as a late round tight end grab anyway. I don't think he's got a chance to be the number two target getter in Minnesota, even if his hands were in good shape. But it's another it's another injury that he's picked up along the way. I don't have a problem with people who take Irv Smith with a late pick. I have to double check the schedule to see who they've got early on in the year. Maybe they, he does have a good schedule and maybe he is worth it, but for now he's not practicing and uh, it's just, it's going to give even more opportunity to KJ Osborne to have himself uh, a couple of chances in those first few games, potentially to, to step up and be a contributor to Minnesota's offense. Marquise Brown is back practicing. Ron Rivera has some concern over Curtis Samuels conditioning. Shocker. Uh, Michael Carter has a minor ankle injury. Pittsburgh and, Pittsburgh and Deontay Johnson are far apart in contract talks, according to the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Now, this is something we have to keep Bust. an eye on here. 
He's a bust. <laughs> okay, would you take Sutton over Deontay? Oh, yes. Heath? In non-PPR, yes. In full PPR, no. Uh, I mean, I'm... I think I might be at the point here where I'm ready to take Judy over Deontay Johnson. Wow. I'm just not excited about Deontay Johnson. Debo Samuel said he has no pro- he said he had no problems with his role in the running game. He said that was not reported accurately. And Chiefs rookie wide receiver Sky Moore hurt his hip. Does not seem serious. Okay, I tell a guy to get here at 9.50. 15 minutes later, I'm bringing him on the show. I am sorry. First thing I have to say, RJ White, I am sorry. I'm so disappointed in you, Adam. I've been you're, you're wasting my time. No, I've been listening to you guys. I enjoy the content, and I'm happy to wait around. Thank you very much. So, RJ, tell us what you do at CBSSports.com. Uh, you were on last year for this very same subject, and it was a great episode. We'll do it again here because uh, you know it's still. I'm sure a lot of people would love to know about value based drafting. But tell us, tell us about yourself, RJ. Yeah, I'm the managing editor for fantasy and betting content that covers the CBS fantasy guys like Heath and Dave, and also the sports line side where we do picks, we do future stuff, we do odds, we do all sorts of things over there. So, um, you know, it's kind of split my time doing those two things. You'll see me a lot more on the sports line side doing shows like the early edge with Jonathan Coachman, um, doing picks for NFL, you know, spread picks week to week. I typically enter 10 to 12 spread picks every week. I share my super contest plays, which is my five best bets every week based on the va- the contest that happened in Vegas. So a lot more betting side than fantasy side. But, you know, I came up doing fantasy stuff, reading these guys and, you know, getting into value-based drafting back in the 90s when it started over at Football Guys. So so I'm kind of steeped in, bo- in both sides of it, but a little more focused on the betting side. Now, that's what most people that, that follow me know me for at this point. I like to place $5 bets on basketball teams that are down by like 20 points uh, with plus 400 odds. And how dumb am I for doing that on a consistent basis? Uh, do you win? No, not really. Not so much. <laughs> then I think you have your answer. <laughs> All right. Uh, but I do like playing those types of odds in football games where I feel like I, I, I know I can guess the outcome a little bit more. But anyway, yeah, we have great gambling content, sportsline.com and the Early Edge podcast. Now, value-based drafting. Give us a little primer. Tell us about it. Well, I feel kind of weird doing that with Heath sitting here. You know, Heath come from from football guys, and they're the guys that created that. You know, back back when I when I was a young pup in this game, you know, trying to figure out ways to get advantages. So I think I should probably defer to Heath on the, this topic because uh, he'll <laughs> probably speak a little bit more eloquently than I. Yeah, I think we could. We, it can be a joint effort. Uh, the the easiest way, and I just like to use Joe Bryant's words sometimes when we're explaining this, since he did create it. I think back in like the nineties, like the mid mm-hmm. nineties, but. Um, the guiding principle is the value of a player is determined not by the number of points he scores. His value is determined by how much he outscores his peers at a particular position. And so as a really, RJ can add some details that I gloss over, but as like a 10,000 foot view, and I use this in my in setting my top 200, and then I'll move things around based on my personal preference, but you would look at the top 100 picks by ADP, or some people would say the top 120. That may depend on your format and how many positions you start. And see how many quarterbacks, how many running backs, how many wide receivers, how many tight ends are taken in those top 100 or 120 picks. Another way to think of it is who's the best player available at each position at this certain point in the draft. And then you will use their projected point total as the baseline for that position. And each player at the position, their value is how many more points they're projected to score than that value. Does that make sense? So to, to use a just a an actual example from my projections, and I've got, um, so for running back, I have the baseline is at, should have had this a little more ready. Mm-hmm. RJ does. RJ can probably tell us exactly what it is, but I use this especially for salary cap values. 149 points. And that looks like that is right about our running back 44. And so, Jonathan, 149 points is the number of points Mm -hmm. that the number 44 running back is projected to score this season. And that's the last running back in your top 100. Or top one, not mine. By ADP. Oh, okay. Because my 
not, run, not running back in the top 100 is not particularly relevant. It's what running back is projected to be available at a certain point. Okay. Replacement okay. cost is another word you might use for that. All right. So that that number, 145, is that what you said? You would take every running back's projected points and subtract that from it. And okay. that is their value-based drafting number. And then you do okay. the same thing for tight end. The number would obviously be different. It'd be like tight end 10 because there's tight end 11 is available at that point. And then wide receivers probably right around wide receiver 40. Quarterback is where it gets messy because in our leagues at pick 100, you're probably at QB seven. Mm-hmm. So quarterback's not worth very much. In a regular CBS league at pick 100, you're maybe at QB 14. And so... Josh Allen's worth a second round pick for sure. Because, because he's so much more valuable than the, than that quarterback. What's that? He's so much more valuable than QB 14. R- well, he, right. Because his value is much greater if the replacement cost of quarterback in your league is much lower. Right. Okay. Um, let me just see based on fantasy pros. QB 14 is pick 105. QB 13 is pick 103. So it looks like 12 quarterbacks in the top 100. Okay. I think intuitively, it makes sense too, because we know, you know, quarterbacks score the most points, but people don't draft them first. And that's because they know they can get somebody that also scores a ton of points later in the draft. Whereas you can't do that for the top running backs. You know, Jonathan Taylor's going to outscore the last, even if you want to just use starters, you know, you say the top 24 running backs in two running back league, he's going to outscore the number 24 running back by a lot more than then Josh Allen's going to outscore the number 12 quarterback. So that's why you prioritize Jonathan Taylor at the top of drafts rather than Josh Allen. And that's this is just putting a number to that idea and being specific about it with projections. So give me an example. I'm in round five, and I've got two running backs and two wide receivers. How would I use value-based drafting at this point in the draft to decide who well, to Well, that... And that is another part of the equation that really is probably not going to translate very well into a podcast, but that would be determined by when is your next pick and how many wide receivers do you think or running backs do you think will go before them? Um, But the way you would use it would be to say, I have to start two running backs. I have one. I have to start three wide receivers. I have zero. What is the replacement cost of the wide receiver I'm going to get at pick 100? And how does that compare to the replacement cost of the running back? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You'll right. draft the player that has the Adam biggest does not gap. I think, this I mean, out. I'm pretty sure I get it, but. You, why do, what I would like to know, because it does seem like you've kind of pushed, what, what is your distaste for oh, absolutely for nothing i just nothing it's not the it's just it's just not the way my brain works it's, well it has to i think I, the and that's part of it is it has to start with a projection right right you have to have a projection that you are using to start with i think this is very useful so we do so many drafts that i think we just have a very good sense of who's going to be available later in the draft and what our teams could look like right you know you i can kind of plan out my draft to a degree and say, all right, I know I'm going to take Isaiah Spiller and this, like, I'm going to do this in the eight, round eight. I'm going to, this guy's going to be there. Um, but if, it sounds like this could be really helpful for people who don't do a lot of drafts. I mean, does that make any sense? Cause, like cause everybody if, else. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, I mean, some of our listeners do do more than I do, <laughs> you know, but, but it sounds like this is very helpful for people who, might not be able to predict how the rest of the draft is going to go. I don't, I don't know. Is that is that accurate? Well, no, it's kind of based around predicting how the rest of the draft is going to go. Yes, I guess. I guess, but you, but if you don't have a basic idea of, oh, I'm going to take this guy in this round, this guy. Like yeah. I use this during drafts, so I I don't know that it's necessarily a for people who don't draft as much. I guess I didn't mean it quite like that, but um, okay. Uh, David, I think it's very useful for leagues that have different scoring systems if you have projections that you mm-hmm. can alter for those because it's it's difficult to know like where the runs are, are going to happen maybe in that situation or wh- who's going to be available at a certain point. I, I used it a lot more like during the Scott Fishbowl um, than I might in, during one of our drafts. 
And RJ, you actively use these while you're drafting? Use this? Um, at this point, no. I, you know, I used to a lot. Um, but I, I've kind of embraced the uh, – it's really more of a baseball thing um, with, with Baseball Forecaster where with their uh, uh, Mayberry Method scores where um, – things are you you tier things more and you don't get as specific with your your projections because i couldn't tell you you know whether dalvin cook's going to rush for 1150 yards and 1200 yards so i i don't know that or you know really splicing it out and putting super confidence in my number to hit it exactly is going to be correct so i'm thinking these guys more in range so um i i prefer just at this point to go with tiers and then use a value-based drafting thing, just judging by tiers and saying, okay, well, how comfortable will I be if I skip this position and just pick it up, you know, in the sixth, seventh round, like he's saying, once you get near that pick 100 range, rather than um, forcing to go, okay, I don't have a running back in round after two rounds, I have to take one here. Maybe not, maybe the value just isn't there. And so I'll just say, I'll skip it and go with a more valuable position that if I were to apply his projections to this, I'm, I'm confident, you know, th- this X receiver would be, would be higher than any running back on the board and, and i say this every year but i will say like we are not going to do the best job of fully describing this on a podcast yeah it's because there's there's math um like do go search it out um football guys has an article on it every year should we just should we do a nurdle on the podcast a nurdle yeah didn't you used to do the nurdle it's the math I did, thing. I did all the. All I the gave hurdles. up on the nurdle the first time I tried it for a couple of. I I, no I don't way. think I ever missed a nurdle. Then why did you not know what I was talking about? Just now? I Here's, haven't done any of those for probably two months. Isn't that weird? Mm-hmm. I mean, I would not miss a wordle, and now I yeah I I don't do them anymore. Who saw that coming? Uh, um, that's kind of the way it works. Yeah, with pretty yeah, much everything, right? I think so. <laughs> Except for fantasy football, that never goes away. That fingers crossed. All right. Is there anything else you want to add, Heath? I mean, what what about that whole tiers versus kind of what RJ was saying that he uses his tiers more? Is there a combination of the two? Yes, for sure. Like I said, I use this as the baseline for setting my top two hundred, but I do think you have to also apply other other factors and and tier drops and upside or and risk mm-hmm. are are probably three of the biggest things that that I would would kind of add into it. But I like to have that list of okay, the this is who the numbers say the best pick is and this is how much it shows I'm going to miss if I don't do this because mm-hmm. then I I have to justify it in my head with reasoning. Like is there a reason that I want to pass up on what the numbers say the best pick is? Man, can't you just like have some fun? Not worry you about hate, reasoning. That's the pro- that's what it is. It's numbers. <laughs> Stats. Can't you just can't you just like just just go for it, Heath? Just take a leap. I would like, you know, I. But having I, having such a complete knowledge of what's going on in the draft board is fun for people too. You know, it's, it's a lot. You're, of fun. It, yeah, mm-hmm. you're missing out on on you know quite a bit of fun if you don't have this complete knowledge of okay, if I am going to pass it, I'm kind of taking a risk, but I've trusted myself to to do this, even though the numbers say that. Um, whereas you're just kind of throwing darts otherwise. It's really less about fantasy football, RJ. I just want Heath to enjoy life more. I just feel like he's shackled. I do not think you... (laughs) What do you think Heath does when he's not on the show? He barbecues. uh, Yeah, that's enjoying life. Yeah, no, I know. He barbecues, he camps, he gets back to the community, he drinks beer. I'm pretty sure he's he's good. It's ironic coming from me, who, uh, you know, is the most boring (laughs) boring life in the world. You sit at home and raise your kids. Basically, yeah, which is fun. Which you should be enjoying, by the way. Mm -hmm, It's very fun. So let's take a break. When we come back, we'll we'll gamble. Talk about some of RJ's favorite futures and players who who might win MVP and and things like that that could actually be fantasy relevant as well here. Um, We'll be right back. If anybody has a question, we can take them on YouTube as well. And RJ's going to talk fantasy. I mean, RJ is obviously a big fantasy guy. So uh, we'll be right back on fantasy football today. New CBS Monday. NCIS. Here's where we can see them. NCIS and NCIS Hawaii return with all new cases. Double tap to the chest, one to the head. These guys are professionals. All new criminals. Finally, not letting the gut here. Walk to paradise. And all new crimes to be solved. If you're watching, these have been arrested. What are the charges? Just one. Murder. New NCIS and NCIS Hawaii. Monday, starting at 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. 
Spring training is in full swing and fantasy baseball draft season is upon us. That means you need to join us on Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every Monday through Saturday for six pods per week throughout the month of March. We'll break down the latest news, spring training updates, players to target, and much more in just five minutes. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Okay, RJ, let's give the people what they want before we get right into the NFL futures and that stuff like who's going to win the Super Bowl, who's going to win Coach of the Year. Yeah, yeah. Give me some fantasy guys that you find yourself drafting a lot or are fond of. Well, you guys already covered Judy. I, I was a big fan of him. I love the talent, love that his quarterback upgrade, and now he's going to get more targets. He's going to be on the field more with, with not having to come off the field and two receiver sets sometimes when you have those two outside guys. So um, Judy is a guy I was really happy to get where I got him in our draft last night um i think elijah mitchell is a decent decent um value um he's not really talked about in that tier with the guys like i know you're going over acres and those type of guys there but i think he could really be in that tier considering how effective you know kyle shanahan is at, at scheming those guys um to to be effective in the run game and um how good he was you know when healthy last year um and you know with trey lance taking over the offense more, more of a threat to run will open up more running lanes for Mitchell anyway. So um, I think that we're not talking as much about him as we should be. Um, so I like those two guys, quarterbacks. You're, you're going to kind of get a tip on my MVP pick. I think Trevor Lawrence has a lot of upside um, having a legitimate NFL coach in his corner at this point um, and running a legitimate offense. They upgraded the weapons um, and they'll still have to throw a lot. They're not going to win a ton of games. Um, I think they can have a decent season, but um, with him throwing a lot and actually having a full off season with a Super Bowl winning coach that actually took Carson Wentz and turned him into an MVP candidate, whereas he hasn't been any good, you know, since then. And we've, we've been kind of dogging how how his performance has been since leaving that leaving town there. Um, but, you know, he does that with Carson Wentz. Then he goes out and wins the Super Bowl with Nick Foles, a journeyman back quarterback. So it speaks a lot to, to Doug Peterson's, you know, ability to maximize quarterbacks. And now he's getting a guy that was the number one pick, the the uh, certain number one pick since he was a freshman. Everybody knew that was going to be the guy. There was no question. Even in a draft where five quarterbacks went in the top 15, there was no question Lawrence was going number one. And um, we didn't see any of that talent on display last year because of his terrible situation. But that talent is still there. And now he has a guy that knows how to maximize talent. So I think he could have a big season. I love getting him as a QB2 later in the draft, especially if you're waiting, you're not getting one of those top guys. Um, so, so I would love to do, you know, a quarterback platoon of him and Fields or him and Carr or him and Tua, those two, two guys thinking that Lawrence is going to have a breakthrough year. Okay. We'll talk more about Trevor Lawrence on the quarterback preview tomorrow. And if you want to fall in love with someone, if you're lonely out there. Just go watch Trevor Lawrence in week 18, an absolutely intoxicating performance against the or Indianapolis Colts. Watch any of his games in college or high school. Yeah. But he, yes. <laughs> but my yeah. God, he was so good in week 18. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Thank you, RJ, for that. So some of the futures that you're betting. Um, let's start with the player-specific ones. And you, Lawrence, you have uh, an MVP bet out there with some some pretty nice odds. Yeah, 125 to 1, I found, um, you know, on him at one place. And, um, you know, it's just that thing of the talent. We know the talent is there. You know, it's, it's, as long as he didn't forget how to play football last year, um, I think he has a chance to maximize that talent with Peterson. And the Jaguars could be surprising, you know, to teams. They're in a division that is kind of right for the taking. Everybody expects Indy to win it. And I'm not going to, you know, talk on that and ergo against that. I think they definitely deserve to be the favorites. But um, it's kind of easy besides that. We expect Tennessee might have a down year. After trading away AJ Brown, um, Houston obviously don't people don't project to be good. I think the Jaguars could sneak in, win eight nine games, and if they challenge for a playoff spot, they get to ten games with that turnaround. People are going to be talking about Peterson as an, as a coach of the year candidate, and Lawrence if he's putting up those stats as an MVP candidate. Uh, another MVP candidate, uh, Trey Lance. At uh, what are the odds on that one? 60 to 1? 60 to 1. This is, this is actually my favorite one. You know, I talked to Lawrence at this point, but everybody expects Trey Lance to be good. Everybody has him in their top 10 quarterbacks at this point. You know, he's going to be the starter. He's going to do all these things for a team that um, is has their win totals 10, you know, and, and with even odds. So we expect him to be good. We expect him to make the playoffs. Um, and this is a this is a situation like Patrick Mahomes a few years back. This was a guy that was not, you know, destined for greatness, was not, you know, a surefire thing. He went 10th in the draft. But a team traded up for him with one of the best offensive minds, you know, in the game, in Andy Reid. It made him, they sat him for a year mostly. 
they, you know, built the offense around him and he came out and he just, you know, blew us all away that first year. He was 55 to one MVP in that year. And I pegged him as a pick on pick six podcast and on some CBS sports articles, go and take that because just the situation is so good. And I feel that a lot of that is at play with Lance. We don't know if the talent's going to be the same. Obviously you just can't predict everyone's going to be, anyone's going to be as good as Patrick Mahomes, but he has all the situation in place. He has great supporting cast, great offense, Kyle Shanahan, one of the best offensive minds in the game, a team that traded a ton to go up and get him, So they believe in him. And um, I just think that that, that at play as, him being a starter this year, you're not going to get 60 to one any other year. So this is the year to jump on him and see if he can have that breakthrough year and, uh, and cash that ticket. Uh, that's Trey Lance. I am um, curious about your offensive rookie of the year pick here. I'm not saying you're only one, but one that you provided to me. So you must like it a little bit. Offensive rookie of the year. This was about finding value. I found this at 25 to one at some spots where it was 16 to one and others. And I wanted to play it at 25 to one. It's James cook to win offensive rookie of the year. And that's because the bills are, you know, they got rid of uh, Brian Dayball, very pass happy, very, we expect that they're going to continue to be pass happy, but we don't know, you know, Sean McDermott, Khan wants to run the ball more, I think. Um, and if the defense is playing well, which they should, they're one of the best defense in the game. He could rely a little bit more on the run game in the second half rather than pass, pass, pass. And um, that could be James Cook. You know, I'm not saying he wins the job over Singletary right away, but if you're happy with your running back situation, you don't spend a second round pick on a running back. And maybe that's for Cook to come in and, and be a compliment. But he does. I think he does have untapped talent that we didn't see in college. And if he can come out, have a good camp and win the job, he could be the guy grinding out stats in the second half of games for that team um, if they decide to, to, to make him the feature back. So at 25 to 1, I just thought there was a lot of value there as opposed to some of the other guys. It's a down quarterback here. Typically, you'd like quarterbacks, but we don't even know if there's going right. to be a starter. You know, Pickett's fighting for the job. And then so you're just kind of playing, you know, roulette with the receivers to see which one has a good year but a lot of those receivers that we expect to have big roles are on bad teams There's, now we're talking about a guy that might be on the team that that you know is the number one seed in the afc and helping to lead a uh, super bowl charge so that's why i kind of feel good about 25 to 1 for cook if you could find that i wouldn't play it lower than that and dave and heath you know people do feel that way i've heard that before about james cook he didn't have a ton of work in college but that you know he, he could be a much better runner than people give him credit for and I wonder what happens if Singletary gets hurt in your mind. You know, what does the backfield look like, Dave? I think you're going to see Cook and Moss if Singletary were to get hurt. And I think you might see Cook and Moss even if Singletary is healthy because it sounds like Zach Moss is doing enough in the early days of training camp to warrant some kind of a role. That's been what's really been pushing Singletary down for me. Uh, and I was a big fan of his this offseason. Getting James Cook there, not good. Seeing Zach Moss get involved when Moss can do a lot of the same things that Singletary can do that Cook necessarily uh, doesn't have a proven track record of, uh, that's, that hurts me a lot. Uh, we've talked before about the ceiling for James Cook being Alvin Kamara. And if you remember, Kamara, well, I don't know if he shined bright in the preseason, and I know he got off to a slow start the first couple of games for New Orleans. It was before the and Peterson the, trade. I think it was four games, and they traded. I think Adrian they Peterson. recognized. Wasn't there a game where he had a lot of a lot of receptions, and then they got rid of Adrian Peterson? Uh, very possible. It's almost like they realized, hey, we're better off going with the kid than we are with the veteran, and they jettisoned Peterson, and they started using Alvin Kamara a lot more in the offense, and they he took off, and they took off. Something similar could happen here. I, I agree with RJ. I think there is untapped potential in James Cook where he can be used as a runner. I also disagree with RJ because I don't think the Bills want to necessarily run the ball a lot more when they've got a league MVP candidate of their own in Josh Allen. I think what they want to do is start utilizing the running backs more in the passing game. And that way they're taking advantage of Allen's strength while trying to keep defenses off guard and then find more mismatches. That's what they were missing a lot of last year. We're finding mismatches down the field. And now they've got a bunch of them that they could potentially have. And James Cook is a huge one of them. So I like the odds too at 25 to one. And I disagree. I think if you could find it at 20 to one, I think it's worth it too, because it's going to be a wide open race for offensive player of the year or rookie of the year. I should say offensive rookie of the year. I don't think James Cook is going to be the offensive player of the year. I think he's just going to good enough to be maybe the offensive rookie of the year. Uh, who else do you think could, you know, not one of the heavy favorites, but I'm trying to look up the odds. I mean, what it would be uh, like Christian Watson's odds or something like that. Um, I think they'll, well, they're probably posted. getting it's 10 longer to one. every single 10 to one. day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 10 to 1 for Watson. Yeah, there are a lot not good. of interesting names here. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm looking like, at some what now. What are Romeo but... Dubs odds? Let's see. I don't even know if he's on. Might be better than Christian Watson's right now. He's at 50 to 1. Now, Christian, Christian Watson at 10 to 1 is be, is not good, but I thought maybe he'd be much lower than that, like 15 to 20 to 1. But, uh, you know, it's a similar situation, right? Rookie on a great team. They could be the number one seed. I don't know if they will be. but the, Yeah, I think that like the difference for me with Cook is that I don't – I don't know that he has to earn as much as Christian Watson does. Um, like, not that Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb are are great players that he has to overtake, but they have the trust of Aaron Rodgers, and um, we like we don't have much of a history of Rodgers with rookie wide receivers. So I, I don't know that Buffalo really likes Devin Singletary or Zach Moss all that much. How about Jahan Dotson at 20 to 1? Love it. There's a ton. There are a literally not. Yo, what's what's Pickens at? 40, 40. to 1. Yeah, I was 40 just looking to him. I, lo- Pickens I like Pickens absolutely a lot in too. play. Uh, and l- if you think the Jets bounce back this year, even Brees Hall at 8 to 1 isn't that bad because he could be a reason why the Jets are competitive this year. But I think part of the formula for having the offensive rookie of the year this year is he's got to play on a winning team, which is what RJ talked about. And one of the reasons why you like James Cook, I don't know if we can say that about Pickens. I don't know if we can say that about Brees Hall. Uh, we might be able to say that about Romeo dubs or Christian Watson, but th- this is a, this is a fun one to look at. And it's also interesting because it gives us, and, and this is with all odds, Adam, it gives us a peek inside what the, what the folks, the odds makers are thinking. Right, and, right. I don't mind saying that I think they're smarter than we are. They they know stuff that no one knows. And so when we see things that look a little strange or look a little off or you know, it's it's hard to find edges here against odds makers, but when you can read the tea leaves of what they're saying, that's when it helps you for fantasy. But they're trying to balance odds as well, right? Like they're trying to balance they, they the want to get as much money as they possibly can on as many different players Christian as Watson they can. Watson being at 10 to 1 is they've they've already got all the money on Christian Watson that they want right now. Could be. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I mean, agree I don't know what Christian Watson was a month ago. During the season, they do know th- I know that they, look, they have sources, they know things, right? But right now, am I supposed to look at these future odds and think that they're better at uh ranking a player than than you are? I don't see it that way. Better at ranking all, a player I mean, than the average better, yes. And they also might have more insight into the plans for for you know players this season. You know, sure. we think that we think that uh, you know Mariota was named starter right away, but Desmond Ritter's twenty to one to win offense rookie of the year. Malik Willis is forty to one. So those two guys drafted around the same time. They obviously think that Ritter has a lot better chance of playing, and that could be something that because of what they're hearing with their sources is that even though Mariota's named the starter, he might not be the starter for longer than four or five games, giving Ritter a time to, to chance to come in and uh, and you know put up enough stats to to be in this race. Whereas Malik Willis, they're thinking there's no chance that he plays this year. Meanwhile, Kenny Pickett has the lowest odds of any rookie at six to one. The training camp reports have been terrible on Kenny Pickett, and yet he's still got the lowest odds. It almost makes you realize that he is going to play at some point this year, and they're they're anticipating that he does well when he does get on the field eventually, and that what's happening now in training camp doesn't necessarily reflect on what's going to happen later. Ooh, can I get, tell you my favorite player prop? It's the first one I saw. DJ Moore. <laughs> that's my favorite. DJ Moore over four and a half touchdown catches. That's a great one. It would be a career high. Brandon Cooks is at 950 yards. What's up with that? He's never that low. Well, I, I it's the problem with playing overs, RJ, is you know there's always injury. So yeah, right. are you more likely to play unders than overs? For that reason? Well, well, these injuries are also baked into the numbers. When you see numbers like, why is this number so low? It's like you, you, right. you're you're saying, seven, okay, he's playing 17 games. He's going to hit that, obviously. But you always have to factor in the chance for for um, injuries. So when you look at these numbers and you might compare like a quarterback and say, why is he only at you know, 38, 50 and a half when he went for 4,200 last year? It's like, well, you have to, maybe he misses a game or two. And you always have to factor that in. So tell me about some of the teams that you like this year to outperform or, or maybe underperform their Vegas expectations. 
Yeah, so I'm, I'm on San Francisco. I was talking about Trey Lance. Um, I was able to get them over 9.5 at minus 140 um, as one of my over plays on win totals. I also sprinkled a little bit on them to win the division. Um, I, I think that they have just as good a chance as the Rams um, coming into the year. And they are. I was able to get them at plus 200 in one place, which is obviously a lot, lot higher than what you're going to find the Rams at. So I thought that was a good value. And then also 20 to one to win the Super Bowl. I found at one spot, and I think that's that was the best Super Bowl value I saw on the board. So high on San Francisco this year. Also high on Baltimore. Um, I didn't play there over. I wanted to get it at nine and a half, but by the time you know I was into the market, all I saw were tens. So I just played them to win the division at at a uh, um, plus 155. Um, you know, I think it'll be a little bit more competitive with um, with Cincinnati in there. Um, so I thought 155 was a good value on them to be an over team like the Chargers as well. Over nine and a half minus 145 was a play for me when the division sprinkled on that at plus 230. I think they have just as good a shot to win the division as anybody there. Um, I think we're getting good value there. Um, a few of the teams I was down on, I went under on eight and a half on Cleveland before the Watson news came out, thinking the suspension would be longer. And maybe it still will be. You know, we don't know what the NFL is going to do. But I thought eight and a half was aggressive for them, considering the middle of their schedule. They have a really tough schedule when he comes back. And this is a guy that's not going to have been pl- playing quarterback for, for, you know, two years at that point. Knowing what you know now, would you still go under eight and a half if Watson suspended six games for Cleveland? Well, we saw them repost at nine and a half and it was minus one thirty. I would definitely take that. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, yeah, go ahead. So yeah, another under team Pittsburgh under seven and a half the quarterback situation. Who knows how that's going to look um, tough division for them. Um, Chicago under six and a half at minus one forty. probably going to be a rough year for them. Um, you know, considering they're, they're rebooting essentially. Um, and they didn't really surround Justin Fields with too much talent, you know, in the offseason. So um, that offensive line could also be an issue. So I like that under as well. And uh, I see Detroit plus 400 to make the playoffs. That's fun. Yeah, I wanted to get better value because earlier in the offseason, you can see like 450s and 500s, but I'm willing to take 400. I think they were very unlucky um, with with a lot of their games last year. You can tell the team really played hard for Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell watching him and how he coached this team. Now he talks to the media. He's a guy you want to root for. Um, so I, I think that they are, he's going to get the most out of his guys. They are going to play hard for him. It's not going to be a situation like Jacksonville where, where, you know, t- they're just giving up on the season, like the talent they brought in. They're going to be better, um, later in the year when Jameson Williams comes, but comes back on offense, left pretty, pretty good offensive guys in place and an underrated offensive line for Jared Goff. So it doesn't necessarily have his supporting cast in with that, that he did with the Rams, but it's solid. You know, it's not, not like some of these lines teams in the past. Um, so I think that there's a decent chance if some of the other teams are down, the NFC is seen as a little bit weaker than the AFC with all the talent that came into the AFC this year, um, that the the Lions could sneak in with that seven seed. And, and you know, it wouldn't be crazy to me. Heath, uh, who's more likely to surprise us, the Lions or your favorite team in the world, the Texans? Now, I was just going to ask, RJ, if I could do a parlay on the Lions and the Texans both hitting their over and or both making the playoffs. Well, um, it, may, it depends on the book. Uh, a lot of books typically don't allow, um, you know, parlays on futures because they're afraid of, you know, correlated situations. But with that one where it's not clear that it's correlated, maybe some books will let you do it. But uh, you certainly can't do things like I want to take like the Saints over and the the Falcons under because they directly affect each other. You know, right? Makes sense. No, I think I think both of those teams are are going to uh, be better than the consensus expectations. I love the Lions pick. And I think like you, the Jacksonville pick to win the division, I like that. I, I, I think the Texans might win the division. Dave, give me a dark horse MVP. Well, Lawrence is it. Um, I, and I really wanted to talk about that when RJ mentioned Trevor Lawrence to be the, the MVP of the league. He's a great talent. The upgrades that they've made on both sides of the ball are are perfect for Trevor Lawrence. And the fact that, think about their run game. Travis Etienne, we think he's going to be okay as a runner. We think he's going to be phenomenal as a pass catcher. That's why his PPR value is going through the roof. And goodness, by the time we get to late August, he might end up being a, a top 40 pick. He's top 50 right now. He could he could really climb up. And James Robinson, video from, from camp looks okay. But we know that he's coming back from an Achilles. That's a tough injury to come back from. They might end up being forced to throw a lot this year. And if Lawrence is good and his receiving core is better than it was last year, 
then he can absolutely make a case to be the MVP if Jacksonville ends up being very competitive this year and they're in the right division to do it. Indy is the favorite in that division, but I, I wonder how that defense is going to perform, especially if uh, Shaquille Leonard isn't in the middle of that defense. He's the straw that stirs the drink there. Uh, I disagree about Houston. I think they're still going to be um, kind of a meandering team, sub-500 team, and I think Tennessee has a chance to be right around 500. They've been a winning team for as long as Vrabel's been there. They could end up at 9-8 and eight and still have uh, – Henry could still have a good year. Traylon Burke's going to have a good year, but still not be – where Jacksonville is. Jacksonville can win nine games this year. They could sneak their way in the playoffs, and Trevor Lawrence could be that MVP guy. Um, Lamar Jackson, plus 2,000. Yes. He's got the 11th shortest odds, Lamar Jackson. Such disrespect for a yeah, former that, MVP. That's, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Shaquille Leonard is Darius Leonard. He's changing his name, going by yeah, his yeah, yeah. name. I said that. You said that? You just said mm-hmm. Shaquille Leonard. I said Shaquille Leonard used to be Darius Leonard. You said used to be Darius Leonard? Thought I did. Ooh, Justin Jefferson plus fifteen thousand. Where's Derrick Henry? Yeah, it's so hard. It's so hard 4, to be 000. the player of the year when you're not a quarterback. Yeah, unless you're Derrick yeah, Henry. If, if uh, Cooper Cup can't do it after last year, <laughs> <laughs> true. All right, guys, thank you very much, RJ. Great having you on. Appreciate it, man. Of course, thanks for having me. And you can follow him at RJWhite1, at RJWhite1 on Twitter. Thanks, everybody. We've got our position previews starting tomorrow. We'll talk to you with quarterbacks on Thursday on Fantasy Football Today. Grab your VIP pass. We're delving into the secretive world of Formula One. Behind the scenes with two of the sport's biggest names, Mercedes and Williams. This is not coal mining, this is Formula One motor racing. As they build their new cars. We want to be so much further ahead. We are in permanent racing mode. And face shocking headlines. Here's Lewis Hamilton moving away from Mercedes. I'm Joseph Fiennes and this is F1, back at base. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.